Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Good morning, everybody. I just want you to know right now that you have, for the rest of this series, permission to whistle with the video because I can't help it. Uh, it's a challenge to try to match the tune. So from now on, if you want to try to match the tune, you knock yourself out. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. While you're turning there, let me kind of give a uh, kind of a lead into to what we're going to talk about this morning. So I have seven acres of land just east of town here, and we built a house there about 15 years ago. On our land, on the very back side of our property, we have a creek that runs through. And then on the south side of the property, we have a nice pond. And then about half of our property is wooded. Wooded so much that we don't maintain it in any way. We just, you know, we just leave it. But with all of that comes critters. So we have, of course, rabbits and mice and skunks and snakes and raccoons and possums and armadillos and one day we had five deer 15 years we've lived there and we had five deer they all came one day and they never came back i don't know what that says about our property or what but i digress all of those animals are basically manageable but last summer i got hogs and they just started tearing my property up. And so I called a couple of hog hunter friends, and they came out with their guns. And the problem was, is when they were there on site, the hogs didn't show up. So I called another friend from church that had a giant trap. And this is a trap that's big enough to catch several hogs at a time. And so we did what you do with a trap. We baited the trap with some corn. And after having the trap up just for a few nights, I got up one Sunday morning to come to church early, and this is what I saw in our trap. Traps are awesome. Because you don't have to waste a bunch of time waiting to see if the animals show up or not. You just put something that they want inside the trap. In the case of the hogs, you put corn in it. And you just wait for them to come to you. Traps are awesome. As long as you're the trapper. Traps aren't all that awesome if you're the one that's trapped. And today as we continue this series called Dollars and Cents, Biblical Principles for Wise Money Management, we're going to reveal the financial trap that way too many people get caught in, and it's called the debt trap. You know, every week we have guests, people that it's their first time. And so if today's your first time, you're, you're getting right in the middle of a series on biblical financial principles. The Bible has much to say about how we are to handle the finances that God gives to us. And so I would encourage you, if, if this is something that, that uh, is, is touching a need for you, you can go to our website and you can go watch the past couple of weeks and get caught up in this series. Now... I want to say right up front, the Bible does not say that having debt in and of itself is sin. 
However, the Bible does have much to say about things such as greed, materialism, covetousness. And when we use debt to satisfy those things, the Bible makes it very clear that that is not wise. And credit card companies have made it extremely easy for us to find ourselves trapped through their credit cards. Now, I'll talk about credit cards a lot, but it's really any, any form of revolving debt is what we're going to talk about today. You see, what they understand is that there's a psychological factor at work in the minds of people when it comes to money and possessions. And they use these psychological factors to bait the trap. And so here are just a few ways that credit card companies and banks bait us. Once they've shifted our thinking from how much can I afford to how much of a monthly payment can I afford. Auto financing is a great example of this. They can make as much money financing the car as they can on the sale. What happened in the past is we used to go and we would find a vehicle, and what would we do? We would haggle on the, the price, right? Not so much anymore. Now... Instead of when you get there, they, they don't ask you how much can you afford. They ask you how much of a monthly payment can you afford. You tell them and they begin to go to work. And it's funny because even when you tell them, well, I don't need financing because I'm pre-approved through my bank. What do they want to do? They want to go ahead and see if they can beat it. If they can give you a better deal. Why? Because you don't care about the price of the vehicle. You've already given them what your parameters are, which is the payment. So when all you care about is the payment, they can get you in a payment, in that payment, and make way more money by stretching out the time that you pay the loan back, or you get the payment, but at a much higher interest. So that's one of the ways they bait the trap to get you into the relationship with them to where you owe them. The second bait is no interest, no payments for fill in the blank. 12 months, 24 months. And you're probably thinking, well, that doesn't sound bad. Well, it's not bad if you pay it off in 11 months. But their own statistics, the statistics from lenders say that 90, 96% of the people that sign up, that take that bait, don't pay it off in 12 months. And you know what happens when you get to 12 months and one day? You have to pay all the interest back that you thought you were getting for free. The other bait that we'll talk about this morning, this comes on credit cards, is cash back on every purchase. The problem with this is, is if you don't pay the entire amount of the bill at the end of the month, so your credit card, you've got, you, you have a month that you're making purchases, you put it on your credit card, then you have a, generally a 25-day grace period. They send you the bill and you have to pay it by this date. Even if you pay it by that date, what often happens is, is you're spending way more money. But here's, here's the thing. You know how much generally you can get cash back on every purchase? The average is 1%. Sometimes it's 2%. Sometimes they tell you 5%, but it's only on certain purchases at certain times and if you hold your mouth in just the right way, right? 
So, but generally it's 1% cash back. But what happens if you don't pay that bill off at the end of the month? Now you pay somewhere between 15 and 28% interest. It's bait. These psychological factors are what the banks and credit card companies use to bait us into their traps. Now, now check this out. Did you know that bait isn't bad? The bait can actually be good. I've used personally the no interest, no payments many times because I always pay it off early. Corn? Corn isn't bad for hogs. It's good for hogs. Unless it results in them being trapped. You see, the problem, ladies and gentlemen, isn't the bait. The problem is that way too many people take the bait only to get stuck in the trap. If you are disciplined and putting biblical wisdom into place in your finances, you can use some of these bait tactics to your advantage. Let let me give you an example. So on the um, 12 months, no interest. I told you I've used that many times. You see, here's, here's why. Because I can take my money and leave it in my account where I draw interest. And then I pay them and I'm not paying them interest. So it's working in my favor. The bait is good unless you end up in the trap. Listen, God has given us through his word some really good biblical financial principles. And if we'll use them, the bait can be good for us. But if we make one mistake, we're caught in the debt trap. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 17. We'll get to Luke in a little bit. Proverbs 1, 17 says, If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. So, so my goal today is that Scripture would show us, that help us see what the debt trap really is. We need to be smarter than birds, and we need to stay away from the debt trap. And here are a few reasons why. Look at these figures uh, behind me. The average credit card debt, these are um, for Americans. Average credit card debt for an American is $5,700. If you take out those who pay their bill every month, then the average credit card debt is $9,333 per borrower, per credit card owner. The total revolving or Just again, think credit card type debt in the United States is $1.03 trillion. 41.2% of U.S. households carry some sort of credit card debt. People who use credit cards spend 20 to 30% more than they would if they just used cash. Why is it? Because it's so easy, right? If you don't have cash in your pocket and you're only buying things on cash... You can't buy anything. But if you've, got car, if you've got a card in your pocket, you can buy any time you're emotionally triggered to buy something. See, this is what can hurt even the people who pay off a credit card bill every month. They still spend more. And the average American family is paying $1,100 per year in interest on their credit cards. So what does that mean? If we say the average 
that means that if we look at, at some of the numbers here, let's just say that the center section in this room, they pay off their bill every month, so they're not, they're not paying interest. Everybody else, once we take them out, the average is 1100 but once we take them out, we're, all the rest of us are about $2,000. we are we are giving money away. Debt, especially credit card debt, is a trap, and it's baited with these psychological factors to draw us in, to lure us into the trap. But God has given us sense to know how to be wise with the money that he gives us so that we don't walk into these debt traps. When we walk into a trap, we become a prisoner. That's what those hogs were. And you know, it didn't work out well for them either, by the way. I didn't give you the final end of that story, but somebody's having sausage today. If we get into the debt trap, we become a prisoner. We become a slave to the creditor. And while credit cards are the most prominent trap, all debt traps us and it makes us slaves to the lenders that we're borrowing from and paying interest to. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says this, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. When we talk about the southern states prior to the Civil War, we focus much of our attention on slavery, and, and well, we should. Slavery worked like this. One man, the slave, was forced to work so that another man, the plantation owner, could get rich. In return, the plantation owner gave the slave some stuff. Food, clothes, shelter. Now, we understand that the slave had no choice. The slaves often would attempt to run away, but would usually get caught and be punished and put back to work. Now, think about this with me just for a moment. Let's just say that at that time in history... A free man in the northern states doesn't have a place to live and doesn't have any food. So he thinks to himself, you know what? Those other people in the south, they've all got a roof over their head and food in their belly. I think I'll go sign on to one of those plantations. What would we, what would we call that man? A fool. We would tell him, you are a fool. Why? Because no free man from the north in his right mind would go to the south and tell a plantation owner, if you'll just give me stuff, I'll work so you can get rich. It would never happen. But that's exactly what we do when we walk into the debt trap. We tell the credit card companies in the banks, as long as you give us stuff, we'll work to make you rich. We voluntarily leave financial freedom and trade it for financial servanthood just to get some stuff. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is foolish. Jesus said about us in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, he said that if we will remain faithful to what he has taught us in his word, he says this, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then a few verses later, he points out that we are no longer slaves, but sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. And he says, who the son sets free is free indeed. 
And since we are children of God, we have no business living as slaves to anyone or anything. So why do we do it? Why do we ignore the good sense that God gives us in his word so that we can be wise money managers and voluntarily walk into the debt traps? Why? The answer is because we want to be happy. And the worldview in which we live says that the way to happiness is through spending money and acquiring possessions. And we take the psychological bait. What does the Bible have to say about this? Well, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus gives us one thing to watch for and then how that one thing shapes how we approach money and possessions both practically and emotionally. So in Luke chapter 12, look at verse 15. Then Jesus said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. So we'll stop there. The first thing I want you to see this morning is this. We must watch out for greed. In order to keep ourselves out of the debt traps, we must watch out for greed. So, so what is greed? Some translations actually use the word covetousness. They're similar but different. Greed is when we have an unquenchable appetite for more of what we don't have. Covetousness is when we have an unquenchable appetite or desire for more of what others do have. And both are rooted in a heart that is never satisfied and never filled. As a result, it never has enough. And this is the polar opposite of the right attitude that the Bible says that we are to have, which is we are to be content with what we have. And when we get greed under control, if we, if we begin to put these things into practice and we watch out for greed as we're told here, as Jesus says, if we get that under control and we live in contentment, that then shapes how we approach money and possessions practically. Look again at verse 15. So Jesus said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Then he gives us a practical thing. Life is not measured by how much you own. And that's the second thing that we see this morning, is that the value of our life isn't determined by our stuff. The value of our life isn't determined by our stuff. It's written differently in your bulletin, right, where it says the value of my life isn't determined by my stuff. Isn't that how it says? I want everyone to say that with me. Ready? The value of my life isn't determined by my stuff. We've got to learn that. Things don't determine who we are. Possessions don't provide us happiness. And here's how this affects us practically when it comes to our finances. We can stop wasting money trying to purchase something that money can't buy. And as a result, we can put to work for us we can begin to build our own wealth instead of putting it to work to make the credit card companies rich. Possessions don't determine the value 
of our lives. Our value is found from being a son and daughter of God and by how we invest our life into the lives of others. Let's read on, beginning in verse 16. Jesus goes on after this, and he tells a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now, take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. One of the things that, that we can learn about this, this farmer right at the very beginning is this. He did not live by series principle number one, did he? Do you remember that one? Series principle number one, God owns it all. He farmed in land that God created and God owned. He called the barns my barns. He called the crops my crops. He called the wheat my wheat. This man was rich, but he was a fool because he forgot that God owns it all. And he determined the value of his life by his stuff. He was caught up in greed. And if we watch out for greed, which is the first thing that we see in this passage. And we learn to live in contentment. It affects us practically because we will quit wasting money trying to purchase something that money can't buy. And we will quit walking into the debt trap trying to find value in our possessions. But not only does it affect us, affect us practically, it also affects us emotionally is the third thing I want you to see. We, we will never have to worry about money. We will never have to worry about money. You know, when we have money problems and we aren't sure that we're going to have enough to pay the rent or the electric bill or the car payment or the tuition payment, it creates feelings of worry, doesn't it? Now, there's some of you that you're too spiritual to worry, and I'll just use the word concern for you, but it's all the same. There is this emotional toll that we have to deal with when we aren't sure if we're going to have enough money. Let's keep reading verse 22. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Jesus ends this passage by saying, I'm just going to paraphrase, if you'll learn to watch out for greed and live in contentment and stay out of the debt traps, you'll never have to worry about money again because you won't be living as slaves while making someone else rich. Series principle number one was God owns it all. Series principle number two that we talked about last week is, is that we need a written spending plan. And today, series principle number three is no more debt. If you want to be a wise steward, if you want to be 
uh, an honored wealth manager for God. You've got to make the commitment to these principles. And principle number three is no more debt. You cannot change all the mistakes you've made in the past. But you can definitely change the course of your life from today forward. No more debt. So how do we, how do we put this into action? Let, let me say this. This is not the first time I've ever taught on, on biblical principles of, of financial, of money management in the church or in, in, in church settings or Sunday school classes or whatever. And so I, I get that some of you here, you, you're like, you're so, there's not enough body parts that you have to describe how many traps you've already put yourself in. I mean, your finances are a debt disaster. And it you didn't get into that place in a week or a month. And you're not going to get out of it in a week or a month. It's going to take a while. The, the question is, is that you have to ask yourself is this. Am I going to stay a slave the rest of my life? Or am I willing to scratch and claw and make my escape attempts? I'm tired of working to make somebody else rich. That's, that's something that you've got to come to grips with. On the far other end of the spectrum are people that Somebody taught you these years and years ago, and you've been putting these into practice, and you don't have any debt. You're not paying interest to anybody. You have worked to put money in your account that you can use in whatever way God leads you to use it. So, so we've got those two extremes, and then we've got the majority of us are somewhere in the middle, right? We've got maybe a car loan or two in our house, and maybe a credit card bill or two or Ten, right. So we we get it. We're all over the map in this deal. Here, here's here's where we just have to kind of cut to the chase. You've got to look in your own life and say, "Am I working to make somebody else rich?" If you can look at your finances. And admit to yourself, I'm not doing this right. And the proof is the number of loans and credit cards that I owe on. Then here, here are some, some quick action steps. Again, no matter where you are, these are great action steps, right? But if, if, you're, if you know you're stuck in a trap or multiple traps, this is the simple things that you begin to put into practice now in the no more debt thing to begin to crawl and scratch, claw and scratch your way out. The first is this, always pay cash. Touched on it last week. That, listen, you never, ever owe anybody if you pay cash for everything. Does that make sense? Isn't, isn't that simple? If you use cash... You cannot owe anybody because whatever their amount is, you hand them cash, we shake hands and we're done. And it's over. 
pay cash. And I realize that that's strange to many people. Um, but it's the number one way. The number one way to stay out of debt is to pay cash. By the way, debit card is not cash. I know that you think it is because it comes right out of your account. It's not the same. I'll tell you why in a little bit. It's pay cash. Second simple action step is only one credit card if you have to have a credit card. I told you last week that if, if you're in major debt, you need to get rid of all your credit cards. And that, of course, brought up the question, well, what about an emergency? And my reply was, is you already have an emergency. So you've got to get rid of all of them. That's how you crawl out of the problem that you're in. But if you have to have a card, only have one card. Only one card. We learned this um, watching Sesame Street. We learned to count, right? It starts with zero. Zero, one, two, three. And one is one more than zero. So it's the very next best step past only using cash. So if you have more than one credit card, you want to have a great time, go start calling all them and tell them you want to cancel their cards. And, and, and watch how much they, they now value you because they're going to give you a subscription to a magazine and a, and a satchel and all kinds of great stuff. Call the companies, cancel them, cut the cards up. And if you have to have that one card, you use it only in an emergency. What, what is an emergency? Not a sale. It's not an emergency. It means life or death or family safety. That's an emergency. And if you have to use a credit card because of an emergency, third simple action step, you pay that sucker off next month. No exceptions. No exceptions. You see, if we create room for exceptions, what we're saying is, is I want to work and make you rich. No exceptions. Okay, well, Paul, what if we have this medical thing and it's, it's a big bill and I put it on my credit card? Well, first of all, don't do that. Don't put a big medical thing on your credit card. Um, there's plenty of other ways to take care of that, but not your credit card. That's the worst way to pay it off. But if it's a small thing, an emergency room visit, let's say it's $1,300 or whatever. I'm just throwing out a number here. It's a big number, but it's not undoable. You say, well, I don't have $1,300. Find it. Go sell plasma. That's what college students do to make tuition payments. Take a side job. Go mow a yard. See, the, the thing is not that we can't find money. The thing is, sometimes we think we're too good to go take a second job or to do an odd job or to earn some extra money or whatever. Listen, are you too good to be a slave? Because that's really what you're saying is, I, I want to be a slave to somebody else and work to make them rich. Romans 13.8 says, let no debt remain outstanding. Let no debt remain outstanding. 
And then the fourth, which we've already talked about basically, but we just need to add it back in, is don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. If you, if you have proved to yourself that you're a sucker for bait and you keep ending up in the trap, don't take the bait. The bait's not bad, can be good, but don't take it. Let some other hog end up in the trap for the corn. You stand outside the trap and watch what happens to them. Question. Kind of close with this. How many of you could afford to never get another pay raise for the rest of your life? Not very many. Let's, let me ask it this way. How many of you could afford to take a pay cut every year for the rest of your life? Nobody. That's what debt does to you. Debt steals from our future so that any increase we might get in pay is actually stolen from our past self. Geico says 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. I'm here to tell you that you can save hundreds of dollars a month just by changing your mind. How do I change my mind? By simply doing this. I'm not getting in the debt trap anymore. No more debt. We've got to stay out of the traps. Don't take the bait. No more debt. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? You know, God gives us wisdom in these areas because God knows how much stress it puts on our life. God knows what financial stress will do. Will do to us, will do to our marriage, will do in our family, in our relationships. God knows the emotional toll it will take. God loves us. And He's given us these principles. And He said, if you'll just do these things... And be a wise steward. You will be blessed. See, that doesn't, doesn't mean that you're going to be rich. But not having financial stress is a blessing, is it not? God wants you to be blessed in this area of your life. God wants to remove the financial stress. He's given us principles. All we have to do is put these in to practice. God owns it all. We need a written spending plan. No more debt. That's the first three. We'll continue next week. But will you begin to put these things into practice? No more debt. No more debt. And let's begin to scratch out. Scratch ourselves out servanthood relationship that we dug ourselves into. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you that you love us, that you've given us these practical things in your word. The wise words from Solomon, the teaching from Jesus. God, I pray that we would desire to be faithful wealth managers for you. So help us to be wise stewards. 
God, allow us to see, even in small measure, how you begin to, to bless us as we begin to put these things, these principles, into practice in our lives. God, we trust you for our eternity. Help us trust you for the temporary, specifically in this financial area of our lives. We'll praise you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen.